The Werewolf by Eugene Field. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Louise J. Bell. The Werewolf by Eugene Field. In the reign of Egbert the Saxon, there dwelt in Britain a maiden named Isolt, who was beloved of all, both for her goodness and for her beauty. But though many a youth came wooing her, she loved Harold only, and to him she plighted her troth. Among the other youth of whom Isolt was beloved was Alfred, and he was sore angered that Isolt showed favor to Harold, so that one day Alfred said to Harold, Is it right that old Siegfried should come from his grave and have Isolta to wife? Then added he, Prithee, good sir, why do you turn so white when I speak your grandsire's name? Then Harold asked, What know you of Siegfried that you taunt me? What memory of him should vex me now? We know and we know, retorted Alfred. There are some tales told us by our grandmas we have not forgot. So ever after that, Alfred's words and Alfred's bitter smile haunted Harold by day and night. Harold's grandsire, Siegfried the Teuton, had been a man of cruel violence. The legend said that a curse rested upon him, and that at certain times he was possessed of an evil spirit that wreaked its fury on mankind. But Siegfried had been dead full many years and there was naught to mind the world of him save the legend, and a cunning-wrought spear which he had from Brunhilde the witch. This spear was such a weapon that it never lost its brightness, nor had its point been blunted. It hung in Harold's chamber, and it was the marvel among weapons of that time. Isolt knew that Alfred loved her, but she did not know of the bitter words which Alfred had spoken to Harold. Her love for Harold was perfect in its trust and gentleness. But Alfred had hit the truth. The curse of old Siegfried was upon Harold. Slumbering a century, it had awakened in the blood of the grandson, and Harold knew the curse that was upon him, and it was this that seemed to stand between him and Isolt. But love is stronger than all else, and Harold loved. Harold did not tell Isolt of the curse that was upon him, for he feared that she would not love him if she knew. 
whensoever he felt the fire of the curse burning in his veins, he would say to her, Tomorrow I hunt the wild boar in the uttermost forest. Or, Next week I go stag-stalking among the distant northern hills. Even so it was that he ever made good excuse for his absence, and Isolt thought no evil things, for she was trustful. Ay, though he went many times away, and was long gone, Isolt suspected no wrong. So none beheld Harold when the curse was upon him in its violence. Alfred alone bethought himself of evil things. "'Tis passing strange,' quoth he, "'that ever and anon this gallant lover should quit our company, "'and betake himself whither none knoweth. "'In sooth twill be well to have an eye on old Siegfried's grandson.' Harold knew that Alfred watched him zealously, and he was tormented by a constant fear that Alfred would discover the curse that was on him. But what gave him greater anguish was the fear that mayhap at some moment, when he was in Isolt's presence, the curse would seize upon him and cause him to do great evil unto her whereby she would be destroyed, or her love for him would be undone forever. So Harold lived in terror, feeling that his love was hopeless, yet knowing not how to combat it. Now it befell in those times that the country round about was ravaged of a werewolf, a creature that was feared by all men, howe'er so valorous. This werewolf was by day a man, but by night a wolf, given to ravage and to slaughter, and having a charmed life against which no human agency availed aught. Wheresoever he went, he attacked and devoured mankind, spreading terror and desolation round about. And the dream-readers said that the earth would not be freed from the werewolf until some man offered himself a voluntary sacrifice to the monster's rage. Now, although Harold was known far and wide as a mighty huntsman, he had never set forth to hunt the werewolf, and, strange you know, the werewolf never ravaged the domain while Harold was therein. Whereat Alfred marveled much, and oftentimes he said, Our Harold is a wondrous huntsman. Who is like unto him in stalking the timid doe and in crippling the fleeing boar? But how passing well doth he time his absence from the haunts of the werewolf? Such valor beseemeth our young Siegfried. Which being brought to Harold, 
his heart flamed with anger but he made no answer lest he should betray the truth he feared it happened so about that time that isolde said to harold wilt thou go with me to-morrow even to the feast in the sacred grove that can i not do answered harold i am privily summoned hence to normandy upon a mission of which i shall some time tell thee and i pray thee on thy love for me go not to the feast in the sacred grove without me what sayest thou cried isolde shall i not go to the feast of saint alfreda my father would be sore displeased were i not there with the other maidens twere greatest pity that i should despite his love thus but do not i beseech thee harold implored go not to the feast of saint alfreda in the sacred grove and thou would thus love me go not see thou my life on my two knees i ask it how pale thou art said isolde and trembling go not to the sacred grove upon the morrow night he begged isolde marvelled at his acts and at his speech then for the first time she thought him to be jealous whereat she secretly rejoiced being a woman ah quoth she thou dost doubt my love but when she saw a look of pain come on his face she added as if she repented of the words she had spoken or dost thou fear the werewolf then harold answered fixing his eyes on hers thou hast said it it is the werewolf that i fear why dost thou look at me so strangely harold cried isolde by the cruel light in thine eyes one might almost take thee to be the werewolf come hither sit beside me said harold tremblingly and i will tell thee why i fear to have thee go to the feast of saint alfreda to-morrow evening hear what i dreamt last night i dreamt i was the werewolf do not shudder dear love for twas only a dream a grizzled old man stood at my bedside and strove to pluck my soul from my bosom what wouldst thou i cried thy soul is mine he said thou shalt live out my curse give me thy soul hold back thy hands give me thy soul i say thy curse shall not be upon me i cried what have i done that thy curse should rest upon me 
thou shalt not have my soul. For my offence shalt thou suffer, and in my curse thou shalt endure hell. It is so decreed. So spake the old man, and he strove with me, and he prevailed against me, and he plucked my soul from my bosom, and he said, Go, search and kill. And, and, lo, I was a wolf upon the moor. The dry grass crackled beneath my tread. The darkness of the night was heavy, and it oppressed me. Strange horrors tortured my soul, and it groaned and groaned, jailed in that wolfish body. The wind whispered to me. With its myriad voices it spake to me, and said, Go, search and kill. And above these voices sounded the hideous laughter of an old man. I fled the moor, whither I knew not, nor knew I what motive lashed me on. I came to a river, and I plunged in. A burning thirst consumed me, and I lapped the waters of the river. They were waves of flame, and they flashed around me and hissed, and what they said was, Go, search and kill. And I heard the old man's laughter again. A forest lay before me, with its gloomy thickets and its somber shadows, with its ravens, its vampires, its serpents, its reptiles, and all its hideous brood of night. I darted among its thorns and crouched amid the leaves, the nettles and the brambles. The owls hooted at me, and the thorns pierced my flesh. Go, search, and kill, said everything. The hares sprang from my pathway. The other beasts ran bellowing away. Every form of life shrieked in my ears. The curse was on me. I was the werewolf. On, on I went with the fleetness of the wind, and my soul groaned in its wolfish prison, and the winds and the waters and the trees bade me go, search, and kill, thou accursed brute. Go, search, and kill. Nowhere was there pity for the wolf. What mercy thus should I, the werewolf, show? The curse was on me, and it filled me with a hunger and a thirst for blood. Skulking on my way, within myself I cried, Let me have blood, oh let me have human blood, that this wrath may be appeased, 
that this curse may be removed. At last I came to the sacred grove. Somber loomed the poplars. The oaks frowned upon me. Before me stood an old man. T'was he, grizzled and taunting, whose curse I bore. He feared me not. All other living things fled before me, but the old man feared me not. A maiden stood beside him. She did not see me, for she was blind. Kill, kill, cried the old man, and he pointed at the girl beside him. Hell raged within me. The curse impelled me. I sprang at her throat. I heard the old man's laughter once more. And then, then I awoke, trembling, cold, horrified. Scarce was this dream told when Alfred strode that way. Now, by our lady, quoth he, I bethink me never to have seen a sorrier twain. Then Isolt told him of Harold's going away, and how that Harold had besought her not to venture to the feast of St. Alfreda in the sacred grove. These fears are childish cried Alfred boastfully. And thou sufferest me, sweet lady, I will bear thee company to the feast, and a score of my lusty yeomen with their good yew-bows and honest spears, they shall attend me. There be no werewolf, I trow, will chance about with us. Whereat Isolt laughed merrily, and Harold said, "'Tis well. Thou shalt go to the sacred grove, and may my love and heaven's grace forfend all evil. Then Harold went to his abode, and he fetched old Siegfried's spear back unto Isolt, and he gave it into her two hands, saying, Take this spear with thee to the feast tomorrow night. It is old Siegfried's spear, possessing mighty virtue and marvellous. And Harold took Isolt to his heart and blessed her, and he kissed her upon her brow and upon her lips, saying, Farewell, O my beloved. How wilt thou love me when thou knowest my sacrifice? Farewell, farewell forever, O Alderleafest mine. So Harold went his way, and Isolt was lost in wonderment. 
on the morrow night came isolt to the sacred grove wherein the feast was spread and she bore old siegfried's spear with her in her girdle alfred attended her and a score of lusty yeomen were with him in the grove there was great merriment and with singing and dancing and games withal did the honest folk celebrate the feast of the fair saint alfreda but suddenly a mighty tumult arose and there were cries of the werewolf the werewolf terror seized upon all stout hearts were frozen with fear out from the further forest rushed the werewolf wood wroth bellowing hoarsely gnashing his fangs and tossing hither and thither the yellow foam from his snapping jaws he sought isolt straight as if an evil power drew him to the spot where she stood but isolt was not afeard like a marble statue she stood and saw the werewolves coming the yeomen dropping their torches and casting aside their bows had fled alfred alone abided there to do the monster battle at the approaching wolf he hurled his heavy lance but as it struck the werewolf's bristling back the weapon was all too shivered then the werewolf fixing his eyes upon isolt skulked for a moment in the shadow of the yews and thinking then of harold's words isolt plucked old siegfried's spear from her girdle raised it on high and with the strength of despair sent it hurtling through the air the werewolf saw the shining weapon and a cry burst from his gaping throat a cry of human agony and isolt saw in the werewolf's eyes the eyes of someone she had seen and known but twas for an instant only and then the eyes were no longer human but wolfish in their ferocity a supernatural force seemed to speed the spear in its flight with fearful precision the weapon smote home and buried itself by half its length in the werewolf's shaggy breast just above the heart and then with a monstrous sigh as if he yielded up his life without regret the werewolf fell dead in the shadow of the yews then ah then in very truth there was great joy and loud were the acclaims while beautiful in her trembling pallor isolt was led unto her home where the people set about to give great feast to do her homage 
for the werewolf was dead, and she it was that had slain him. But Isolde cried out, Go, search for Harold. Go, bring him to me, nor eat nor sleep till he be found. Good, my lady, quoth Alfred, how can that be, since he hath betaken himself to Normandy? I care not where he be, she cried. My heart stands still until I look into his eyes again. Surely he hath not gone to Normandy, outspake Ubert. This very eventide I saw him enter his abode. They hastened thither, a vast company. His chamber door was barred. Harold, Harold, come forth, they cried, as they beat upon the door. But no answer came to their calls and knockings. Afeard, they battered down the door, and when it fell, they saw that Harold lay upon his bed. He sleeps, said one. See, he holds a portrait in his hand, and it is her portrait. How fair he is, and how tranquilly he sleeps. But, no, Harold was not asleep. His face was calm and beautiful, as if he dreamt of his beloved. But his raiment was red with the blood that streamed from a wound in his breast, a gaping, ghastly spear wound just above his heart. End of The Werewolf Recording by Louise J. Bell, Sebastopol, California.